we've been talking about the wisdom of making the right choices. Amen. The wisdom of making the right choices. How many are beginning to make right choices? Um, I said something at the camp. I don't know whether you remember, but I'm going to just remind you of what I said at the camp. And I said that every choice you make, before you make that choice, ask yourself a question. How does this choice please God? It could be a choice in your career, a choice in your schooling, a choice in your relationship, a choice in any other thing. But ask yourself, this choice that I'm about to make or this choice that I've made, did I consider God in this choice? Or did I just make the choice? Amen. Did I consider my soul, my spirit, before making this choice or I just made it? We read, we read a scripture, was it or last week? What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Look for that scripture for me again. What shall it profit a man to, if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I told you that anytime you hear choice, the thing that you must come into your mind is opportunity cost. Mark 8, 36. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? 37 says that. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And I was saying to you last week that the opportunity cost of anything that you have chosen is what you have let go. So if you choose girl A, the, the cost of girl A is what you would have gotten in girl B that you have let go. Are you getting it? So the cost is very high. The cost of gaining the whole world is your soul that is lost. You gain the fine man. He's nice. He floats your boat. He gives you everything that a woman will want in a man. But the only thing or the price of that man and that nice relationship and everything that you've always been dreaming of is your soul that ends up in hell. And then it goes on down. What have you gained? What have you gained? You gained something that you thought was all right. But the price of it was more expensive than what you thought. See, the price of our choices is much, much, it, it goes beyond the, 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 what is seen. It goes beyond the peripheral. It goes beyond what we are looking at. It's not comparing apples and oranges. Are you with me? The, the price goes beyond. So when you are choosing, you are choosing guy A over guy B. 
It's not that this one is tall and hasn't got a job. And this one has a job. So I'm going to choose this one because he has a job and he will look after me well. It's not just that. It's beyond that, that thing that you are seeing, the physical, there is also the implication of, 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 of that choice. This one has a job. This one has a car. This one will take you to a nice place and give you nice things. But he's taking you to hell. Have you considered that? Have you considered God in that choice you have made? Or you just made it? The place is gone quiet. And I've just started. Uh, it's too early. It's too early for, for my Wednesday church to disappear on me. <laughs> it looks like the Sunday church has come. We make choices and we don't think that the choices matter. To choose whether to work here or work there. This place you are working is going to take you to hell. I know people who are in church doing well and everything. Then they started working in a bar. It looked like nothing. It's like I was looking for a job. In fact, the person gave a testimony that the Lord has answered my prayer and given me a job. And the job, when he got the job, he was happy. He came to give a Thanksgiving offering. But you know something? He started to mix the drinks. And then after, after work, he started hanging out with the workers, the colleagues there. And they hang out and they have free drinks on the house. Before he realized it, he was drinking. And she drink always leads you to something. You know, somebody once said to me foolishly, Pastor, show me a, a verse in the scripture that says that you must not drink. And he said that, he showed me a scripture that uh, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Timothy. This is what he showed me. Then I said, okay, it's a very good verse. I have a verse to show you in Proverbs. And he says that give a drink to the one who is getting ready to be destroyed. <laughs> give a drink to someone who is getting, who wants to, who wants to get ready to be destroyed. Because you see, it is the first step into many things. Many, many things. A drink is the first step into many things, many bizarre things. If the guy wants to sleep with you, he gives you a drink. The drink uh, has nothing to do with the way he's taking you. To relax you, to unwind. <laughs> this is my church. When they go quiet, then I know that I am at home. <laughs> so I'm going to stay here. <laughs> you see, the drink is the first. And you see, drink, drink is something that looks very small. And especially when you want to introduce somebody into hard liquor, you start with a very mix wine, of wine, wine, white wine, white wine, 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 wine for the fish, 2%. Red wine for Have you heard those things, 2%, 3%? You know those, uh, what do you call those type of nice drinks that blue and red, it's like, it's sweet, but has got alcohol in it. What's it called? No, it's not cocktail. You know the ones that they, they it's like in a bottle. 
It's like vodka something, smell not. They, 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 when they want to introduce their little children, when they want to introduce their little children to drink, they give them that. It's, it's sweet. When you drink it, it's like, it's like drinking, it's like drinking, uh, uh, what do you call it? Coke, Fanta, that has alcohol, alcohol, a little bit of alcohol in it. Sorry? WKE. WKD. Yeah. Those type of, you know, smell of, smell of ice. Uh, Malibu, Malibu and Coke. Some, something. Can uh, I, shh, 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 shh. Don't spoil my message. I'm, I've just started. You see, but, but that is not the, that is not the destination. It is just, any, any journey that you are about to embark on, start with a step. And the step that you take doesn't look like the destination. For instance, if I want to go to London from here, you just have to take one step. You are still in the room, but you have begun your journey. You take another step, you are still in the room, but you are on your journey way. You take another step, you are still in the room, but you're on your way. You take a step, you are still in the room, but you're on your way. You see, nobody starts and commits adultery out of the jump. It starts with a little message, a little conversation, you know, in the, on the phone that after you delete so that your, your spouse don't see. Do you understand? But it's a first step. If you knew, if you knew that that conversation that you are deleting, conversation that you are deleting will take you to adultery, you might not have gone. But it's one conversation, then you clean. A little, then you, then you a little, then you, a little, a little. But you see, there are choices. There are choices. They are taking you to some place. Are you, are you with me? The consequences of just adultery is not just the night of the, the few minutes of pleasure. No. No. It, 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 it goes beyond that because it has eternal implications. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? I was saying to you that, you know, what we are doing is a practice for eternity. Whichever way we are. So we cannot afford to, to just, you know, do and take our lives for granted and the things we do for granted. You know, this, this small, you, 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 you know, you get angry, you insult your spouse. You get angry, you, you know, you blow it off. You, you don't know that it's spoiling your marriage. It doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like it, but it's a step. It's a step. It's a step. You know, I'll I tell you something. I'll tell you something. There are certain things that when you do, they cause permanent damage. Are you with me? But it doesn't look like permanent damage. There's a word you use on your spouse. You just say something and then after you come and say, oh, I'm sorry. But you have caused a permanent damage that you didn't realize you had caused. It's a step. It's a step. Oh, I've forgiven you. Yeah, I've, no, 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 I've forgiven you. But you see, 
that forgiveness has opened the door, or, or that, that forgiveness, if in your mind, it has erased that, the, the problem. But it, it really, the implication is that it has opened the door for Satan. That word has opened the door for Satan. Are you with me? And Satan will use any opportunity. He says that he is an opportunist. He is an opportunist. The, the Bible says that if the thief had known the time that the, if the, the householder had known the time the thief would, was coming, he would not have left the door open. Sometimes the words we use, they are choices. But the choices have eternal consequences. You, you can kill your marriage without realizing that you've killed your marriage. The man hasn't left. The woman hasn't left. But emotionally they've left. You see, and, and if you know anybody who has had, who has left a marriage and you're having a chat with them, anybody who has, who has divorced before, they'll tell you that they divorced years before they left. They left before they left. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. They were there, they're in the house, but emotionally they are gone. And men are experts at doing that. Women don't do that as well as men do. So I'm going to throw the trash out. And it's gone. Never to return. How many have heard stories like that? He, he said, I'm just going to throw the bean away. You were in the kitchen washing the pots. By the time you realize, it's been two weeks. And it's not back. So understand that choices have eternal implication. You see, that's why the Bible said, give Satan no place. No place. Choose to speak life rather than speaking anger and retribution. Because that anger you spoke, that foolish two seconds of, <clears throat> and you felt temporarily better. Gives your marriage a mortal wound. Uh, uh, I don't know why the message has gone. I, I didn't plan to take it here. But I believe God is speaking to somebody. See, choices have implications and it goes beyond what you see. Are you getting what I mean? It goes beyond the moment. Are you, are you getting it? It's like, oh, foolish boy. You say foolish boy to your child because they were annoying you and the only way to get off that anger to vent was to say foolish boy or you never amount to anything. It was just a temporal anger out, outburst that, was, that came because of what you are feeling. But it, that statement is going to be used by Satan in the next 40 or 50 years to destroy the child. Especially because it came from the mother or the father. And the mother and the father may not even remember. It was, a loose statement. It was just a statement out of anger. 
But that statement, it was a choice. You could have chosen to say something, speak life. But you chose to speak death. Life and death lies in the power of the tongue. And every choice you make has implications. That's the import of the sermon. Amen. Last week we, we, we saw when Joshua presented to the Israelites carnality over spirituality. You, you, you would be amazed that why would, why would we compare carnality to spirituality? Everyone would choose spirituality. But it wasn't so. It appeared that everybody naturally must choose carnality, uh, spirituality. But why were they always reverting to carnality? Reverting to carnality. Revert instead of spirituality because carnality had a temporal pleasure. They worshipped the gods. And I was saying to you that the reason why they were worshipping the gods was a temporal pleasure they would get in, in having sex with everybody. In, you know, that the pleasures of sin is the gratification of the flesh. We are all struggling with it here. On earth. And we all know that this temporal pleasure we are getting is causing, is causing uh, uh, death even in this life and eternal damnation. Are you with me? Everybody who is using drugs knows that this drug thing that I'm doing is not, is not going to end well. <laughs> even before they they get into it. They know. But it's, like, it's almost as if the flesh becomes so strong and then the spirituality becomes so dead that we choose the carnal thing. Which we know will destroy us. For instance, you know that this type of every time quarrel, quarrel, quarrel in this marriage will destroy the marriage. You don't need a rocket scientist to tell you that. You don't need a prophet to tell you that. You know it. But it's almost as if the only way to gratify your, your, your flesh, your, your emotions at that time is to say something that you know eventually kills something in the marriage. But it's almost as if you are helpless. And, and you see, the, 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 the sad thing about it is this. We as Christians, after doing that, we go and pray. And we convince ourselves that the prayer has negated everything. But that's not true. It's not true. Mark 11. <laughs> As for my church, I know them all. <laughs> when I'm inside their bedroom, they are very quiet. <laughs> when they are quiet, they are no. Uh, I think I'm looking for 23. <laughs> when they go quiet, then I know I'm in their room. Then I means I have to stay there. Yeah. When they are excited, then I, I can move on. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say Jesus help the Lord. <laughs> 
For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be that removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he's those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. You know, why are you calling him a stupid man? It's because you believe that he's acting stupid. You believe that you shall have whatever you say. <laughs> Clapping for myself because you won't clap. It's all right. <laughs> Hallelujah. We have what we say. Yeah. You have what you say. It's a measure. And you see, you think that your prayer is going to negate this thing. The Bible says, My people perish because of lack of knowledge. We lack knowledge and we cover the lack of knowledge with prayer. And you see, Satan is very legalistic. Satan is very legalistic. If you watch the the temptation that uh, Jesus went through, it was all legal. For it is written. I put it to you. I put it to you. It is written. It is written. Satan is very legalistic. If God says you have what, whatever you say, and you are saying negative, and you are fasting and praying for positive, Satan will say, no, 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 no. You cannot give this person positive when they are saying negative. That is not what they are confessing. So now you realize that you're, you are fasting and praying, but the prayer is not being answered. And it's not being answered because of your own mouth. It's no, no demon has come to you. Have, you are your own demon. You can cough. It's my help. It's my help. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be careful. Be careful. That is why in Philippians it says that whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, think on these things. Say things that will, and think things that will work. Because out of the abundance of your thoughts, your heart is what you say. Oh, I was angry, so I said, no, 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 you've been thinking it. That's how come it will come out of your mouth. It's been nurtured. Yeah. If you are thinking that your, your wife is foolish, your wife is foolish, and she does something foolish, what do you think you say? Preach, pastor, preach. Okay. <laughs> so, let's go back to our message. Joshua. <laughs> you are feeling cold. Joshua 24. Joshua 24. <laughs> I'm starting from 14. Starting from 14, verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods 
of your fathers. Serve the, those who your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Uh, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Go on. I'm going up to 17. So the people answered and said, Five be from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord is our God. The, for the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way and that, that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. Amen. We are talking about eternal over temporal. Eternal over temporal. So you see, the first one we talked about was carnality over spirituality, isn't it? And I'm talking to now about eternal over temporal. And realize that eternity starts with your mouth. Amen. It starts with a thought. How many will agree with me that, for instance, uh, any sin you like starts with a thought? Nobody falls into sin by accident. It will pass through your head. Nobody does anything by accident. It would have crossed your mind. Even that insult would have crossed your mind before you said it. Do you understand? Oh, it was out of anger I said he's foolish. No, no, no. You were thinking that he's foolish before you said it. You have seen and you have confirmed in your heart that he's foolish because he does foolish things. That's how come that trigger just act out what you have been thinking along all this while. <laughs> Matthew 16. <laughs> 21. People have gone quiet. <laughs> Some are not even looking at me at all. Look yeah, at yeah, me. Yeah. I, mean. <laughs> I know my people. You see, last week they were all hey, I'm very excited. Today, the place is as quiet as a cemetery. <laughs> we were quiet in the middle. In the middle, you got it. Okay. From that time, Jesus began to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You 
are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, or you are not mindful of eternal things. You are more mindful of temporal things. Go on, next. Then Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. See, denying yourself is to deny that anger or that aching to say or do something. Hallelujah. That temporary release of emotion, you just said it because it made you feel better. Yes, sir. Oh, stupid man, foolish man. I've told him my peace of mind. Now I'm feeling a lot better. <laughs> like Peter, far beat that you should go and die. If you die now, how would we eat? You are a source of income. You say you are going to Jerusalem to die. And Jesus said, it is an offense to me because you are not thinking of eternal things. You are not thinking of the, 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 the wider goal, the wider aim. You, the long-term success is not what you are focused on. You are focused on the temporal anger now and I'm satisfied because I've told them my peace of mind. Do you know that when you forgive somebody and you, you, you ignore their mistake, you, you keep them. But when you are, ah, you lose them. How many know what I'm talking about? Even in the church. You lose them. That's how it looks like church members never, ever, ever um, offend the pastor. It's rather the pastor that offends church members. Have you, have you not seen that on the grand scheme of things? It's because the pastor has to learn to swallow the offense and don't let it come out. Overlook it. Make excuses for them. Jesus made excuses for them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Because if they had known what they were doing, they wouldn't have done it. It, they have their own issues. This one is just the <clears throat> that's, that's, that's the secret I learned long time ago from my marriage that to make excuse for my wife. Oh, forgive her. She's just so that you don't so that you don't go and say something. She's here. You can ask her. 21 years. If I've ever called a stupid girl before. Never. Does that mean that for 21 years she has never ever offended me before? <laughs> but I won't let it even cross my mind, let alone come through my mouth to say stupid girl. Because if I say stupid girl, I'm married to the stupid girl. That and forever you, she'll be a stupid girl. And that makes you <laughs> listen, listen, the same mouth that you use to bind and loose, to make declarations. You are using it to call somebody stupid. And you are, so which one is it going to be? Is it going to be the declaration that long term works? Or this one that you are saying? 
Both of them must work. Both of them must work the same way. So that it should be long term. It's a declaration. You've made a declaration. You say, I declare peace. I declare the grace of God. I declare power. I declare this. And you're, you're a stupid girl. Both of them work. No, no, no. I, I, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you no lie. I'm in church. God is here. Ask her, she's also here. If if ever once I've been angry and called a stupid girl, stupid woman, foolish before, she's here. Maybe all that I've been feeling now, I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does that mean that I've not been tempted or, or cajoled in a wrong way to feel that way and say that? But you don't. And there's never been a time that she has said that to me. Because it's not allowed in the house. Do you understand? Because I cannot use certain words, I have a lot of vocabulary. <laughs> Do you understand? Because I can't swear, I have a lot of vocabulary. That I will say something, the end I'm saying that you are being very stupid. But I haven't said you are a stupid person. your husband and tabo. No. Listen. That that was a bell with that with no conviction at all. <laughs> Temporal pleasure that's going to take you to hell. Deny it. It means that you are a plank of wood. You have no brain in your head. <laughs> it's a very powerful insult if you come from a certain part of the world. <laughs> It means you have a plank of wood. You are just <laughs> two by four. That's what it means. You are just a two by four. You are plywood. No brain cell. <laughs> it's not a good insult at all. My, my grandmother used to use that very much. Man who is a plank of wood. 
That insult is very annoying. <laughs> it's a type of insult you have to go and think about it to get angry. <laughs> uh, anyway. See, temporary decisions are just temporary. They're temporary. They don't last. For instance, I know somebody who has taken a decision to go and accept a job in a place where the church, there's no church like the church he attends in a certain place. It was a temporary decision because he was, it would give me more money, good hours, I can have more time for myself. So they chose that. Guess what? They backslid. Ended up in all sorts of problems. There was a young man who was training to be a pastor in a country in Africa somewhere. He was training to be a pastor, doing well, doing crusades, doing all sorts of, you know, things. And then God, God one day he was praying for visa and got a visa to America. Powerful testimony went to America. Got a job in America. The last that was heard of him, he had become gay. Yeah. Because where he went to work was a working men's club. Know what a working men's club is? It's a gay club. He didn't know. He didn't know anything. He said, somebody on fire for God. He just got a a blessing to go to America. I just got a job. And then somebody took fancy to him. And before he knew it, choices. Don't think all the time about temporary things. Think long and hard about the implication of the choice you are making. Is God in this choice? You know, it would be better not to take that job. It would be better not to even travel and stay. Yeah. Than take that job or take that choice and lose Let's move on. Let's move on. You are making the whole place very quiet and sad. <laughs> the next one, the next choice is choosing over God's will or man's will. Go back to verse 15. Uh, Joshua 24, verse 15. To choose over God's will or man's will. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you serve. Whether the gods which your fathers have served on the other side of the river or the God of Israel. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
sometimes we let man's will supersede the will of God. See, let me show you how you know the difference between God's will and man's will. Any will that manipulates you is not God's will. Anytime anybody comes and what they are saying, they are saying this, they are saying this, and they are trying to manipulate you to think in a certain way, to do a certain thing. You know, especially when your, your spirit is, doesn't quiet, but, but maybe because of the respect you have for the person, or maybe because of the, the you know, favor you owe the person, you want to, but you know in your heart of hearts. See, the Bible said the spirit, and you didn't ask best witness with the spirit of God. So you know, I mean, if you be very honest, you know in your mind that this is, this has a little bit of manipulation in it. So that when they try to make you feel bad. You must know that it's not. Because sometimes the two wheels look the same. It is not sometimes bad. It's not evil. It's not, it, it's like choosing between two good choices. It's not like black and White. Because if it's black and white, it's very easy to make a choice. It's not like Satan over God. No, no. But sometimes it's like two good things. The will of man is white and white. And the will of man is like, you know, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, it's funny that choosing to serve God on this side or choosing to serve God on that side. Both of them are good choices because in both of them you serve God are you getting it but what you must see is that even though they are both good choices one is man orchestrated man manipulated how many understand what I'm trying to say yeah I'm trying to look for examples that you get like Ishmael and Isaac is a good example you know Abraham goes to God and says to God yeah you have said you give me Isaac but Isaac is not here look at this my son he's alright he's hard work he's a good boy but God says no no that is man's will. Ishmael is man's will. He too, he'll be blessed. But he's not. You know, the Bible says something in Deuteronomy that anybody who serves God, anybody who's called to serve God, I think it's Leviticus, anybody who's called to serve God must not be Somebody who has blotched skin, boils, blotched skin, uh, must not have any, any, you see, you must wear a free-flowing gown. You must not wear a gown that restricts them. And the, the, the import of that scripture is that to serve God, you must not feel under stress. You must not feel like... God doesn't enjoy that. Are you 
you get in there? You must not be shackled. <laughs> you are fighting all your way to go and serve God. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with that. It's not natural. It's man manipulated, man orchestrated. See, they wear free-flowing gowns because serving God must be a free will offering. Free, you must be free to do it. Not coerced into it. Not cajoled into it. Am I making sense? I know parents who, who bribe their children to church. If you come to church with me, I'll buy this for you. I'll do that for you. No, no, don't do that. No. Choose to serve God. Let it be your free will. No, if you don't go to church, you won't eat. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Some parents do that. So the day they get the first break, they are gone, never to return. <laughs> They did they start working and now they can feed themselves. They don't need your, your money to buy clothes or buy anything. That's it. You won't see them again. Galatians 1.10. Hey, today the place is quiet. Oh, yo, 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 yo. It feels like a Sunday service, I tell you. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10 says that, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? If I seek still please men, I will not be a bond servant of Christ. Don't serve God to please man. Amen. John 8, 29 says that for I do always those things that please him and God will reveal the decision that pleases him. He who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone for I always do the things that pleases or that please him. Hallelujah. Do the things that please God. And the will of God is first peaceable. Do you understand? Anything that brings strife is not the will of God. Amen. Am I talking to somebody? Daniel chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not have need. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If the case is, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fairy furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, 
Let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. We will not. Do your worst. Do your worst. If the will of the king was that every man should worship that image, you know, when somebody is forcing you to kneel, 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 kneel. That's not the will of God. Am I making sense? Next one is commitment over convenience. Commitment over convenience. Joshua was saying that the same, the same verse, go back to the same verse we're looking at. If it seems evil to serve the Lord, choose for yourself. This is the whom you serve. Whether the gods of your fathers that was on the other side of the river the gods of the Amorites whose land you dwell. It's convenient. But as for me and my house, we are committed to God. Convenience over commitment. How many know that commitment is expensive? How many know that commitment is very, very pricey? Convenience is easy. Some of us, we serve God out of convenience. The church is close by, so I, I walk to church. I'm not walking now, so I, 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 I can go to church on a weekday. Um, I, I have finished my exam, so I can come to church. That's convenience. Are you with me? Commitment is I have to I check, uh, exam tomorrow morning. But I am committed to be here every Wednesday, so I have to be here. Even though I have exams tomorrow morning. That's commitment. Because I'm committed to this place, I won't take the job that will take me to uh, Swansea. Huh? Swansea is in Wales. That is, you see, commitment. I am committed to this woman. So I cannot be marrying this woman. Even though it's convenient. <laughs> do, do you get it? My commitment to her bars me from any other butterfly. Does that make sense? It's commitment that is constraining me. Do you get it? Rather than convenience. Convenience is easy. Convenience is temporal. Convenience is fleshy. Commitment is long-lasting. Commitment is expensive. Commitment is price. That's why a lot of men don't like to marry. But they want to stay with you. Because it's convenient. 
we share the bills. We share our bodies. We share food. Uh, you cook and clean for me. <laughs> we share companionship. It's convenient. Listen, if you're not here, if you're not here and somebody else was here and convenient, that you would have been out of the picture, this person would have been there. Because it's convenient. Yeah. But commitment is harder. It doesn't matter where you go. I'm so committed to you. That's why it takes a man to marry. Therefore shall a man. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You're a boyfriend. Because you're a boy. Think about it. It doesn't matter how old you are. Because you are not committed, you are a boy. Because it takes a man to commit. Ruth chapter 1 verse 16. Uh, some people are trying to take the message somewhere that I don't want to go. Go, go, to, go to 14. Let's start from 14. This happens to be my mother's favorite chapter in the whole Bible. In fact, go to 13. Would you wait for them till they are grown would you restrain yourself from having husbands? No, my daughters. For it grieves me very much for your sakes that the Lord, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept. And Opa kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her and said, Look, your daughter, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people, to her gods, little G. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you, to turn or turn back from following you. For whatever, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Amen. The import of this whole thing is that nobody remembers Opa. Opa ended in verse 14. We never heard of Opa again. Ruth has her own book that's permanently, permanently ingrained in the Bible. Commitment Pace. Convenience never pays. So long as Lot was with Abraham, committed to Abraham, Lot became prosperous. When Lot turned into convenience, saw the land, the, 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 the valley, the well-watered and green place, and chose that place. That was the end of Lot. The next time we heard of Lot. <laughs> the way Dorothy is laughing, I won't continue. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Listen, commitment is very, very important. Learn to be committed. Learn to be committed. Don't be conv a convenient Christian. You are here, you are there, you are everywhere. As I mean, I'm a Christian. Any church I, I fit in. Yeah, cool. I, I'm here now. What church? Let's go. <laughs> As for me, I'm a Christian. <laughs> and now I've been transferred to uh, uh, Somalia. Then you find a church and you're there. No, 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 no. No. Learn to be committed. Opa says that I'm not going. Uh, sorry, Ruth said, I'm not going. Wherever you go, I will go. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Entreat me not to leave you. Wherever you sleep, I'm sleeping. That's total commitment. Total commitment. We are committed not when the weather is fair. <laughs> we don't come to church in the rain. Ah, no, 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 no. Give us six inches of snow. We will come. One Wednesday, the place has snowed out. Phoebe said that this today we are going to church. It will just be us. Nobody will come to church. Let's not go. Then I said, no, we are going. Then she said, if we go and we don't come and we have to stay in the church for days because of this snow and we don't have anything to eat, you will be the first person who will start eating. <laughs> Was it last year? Yeah. When we got here, the people were here. If I don't know, she have made us eat her, her toe, at least. <laughs> Listen, anybody who's committed, anybody who's committed, is respected. We may not agree with what you are committed to, but we respect you because you are committed. Because it's not every time you find somebody who's committed. Don't find committed people easily. How many know our, our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers, they can be committed to a marriage that you will not even commit to it one day. <laughs> you committed to a certain man you will not commit to that man with two minutes but they will say listen I'm committed because of the children because of this because of that I'm committed and they will stay committed in this day and age we don't know that we know convenience in this day of uh, microwave fast food it's like it's all about convenience, convenience, convenience. It's not very easy to find somebody who's committed. Even in the church, it's not very, you won't find committed church people. It's like we are here, we are flowing. <laughs> that place comes and it's more convenient, we are there. Yeah. If, if they come and put a church next door to your house, that's it. You are not coming here, it's too cold to walk in there. <laughs> <laughs> if, if your house, you move houses from here and go and stay in the, uh, where is that place? 
Utley. That's it. He's like, uh, oh, uh, Pastor, I, I've moved. Um, you see, that this, I found a church next door. <laughs> it's very powerful. You see, the, the pastor reminds me of you, so I go there. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> <I> said, okay. <laughs> Sister, be blessed. <laughs> oh, brother, be blessed. <laughs> I, I thought God is also there. Yeah. Hallelujah. Have we learned something? Yeah. What have you learned? Huh? Do you have questions? They say I should give question and answer session. Eh? Choices, choices. <laughs> oh, I, I, to be honest with you, I have another whole set of choices that we are going to look at. If, if you guys want it, we will look at it. Otherwise, me, I can stop here and move to something else. You know, this choice, I just start, started and stopped it at the camp, and then we moved on because. Okay, so get a mic. They say they have questions. Oh, there's a mic here. G give him a mic. No, um, Prince was the first. moment. Um, when you said that, I remembered some of the things that, in fact, <laughs> that <laughs> I'm sure we all have things like that. You know, um, for instance, I heard my father say something about me to a friend of his when I was a bit younger and I was underperforming in school. And um, compared to my other brothers, they were, you know, way ahead of me, mm -hmm. okay? And it wasn't like I was so bad, but relatively, mm. I wasn't making things. So he passed a comment, which I heard. He didn't know I heard. And it was very, very dispiriting. Mm. And, you know, I also heard another comment from my mom. That was to me directly, okay? And even though so many years have passed, and uh, academically, I can say I'm far better now, but then, you know, when sometimes, once in a while, you come across certain difficulties and then your mind goes back to so many years back when you, when you, when you remember hearing your, your parents thinking that you wouldn't amount to much yeah. because of what you were going through then. Yeah. You know, those things have been said years ago and they probably would regret it if you, if you told them again now. But how would you have to deal with it, you know, going forward, move, moving forward as a person who doesn't want to live out those evil prophets, prof prophecies? Thank you. Deal, you need to deal with some of these things. You need to deal with them in prayer. You need to deal with them and change, change, change the confession. Change so, so, some of us even his name. They give you name, and the name they give you is not good. Must change the name and superimpose a better confession. Amen. Okay. Uh -huh. Go on. I have mine. So. You have imposed yourself because you are sitting there by the mic. Okay. Yeah. So as, as young people, this is 
a very important topic for us because uncertainties really inform our choices. And sometimes we may have, every young person have plans and uh, have ambitions. And uh, uncertainties about where your choice will take you make you kind of sometimes being, that's where you hesitant. Yeah, in your choices. And uh, my question is, how do you make a choice which conv convincingly you know that this is the will of God for me, but conveniently you can't see the way towards it? So as a young person, what advice can you give that how can we hold ourselves to the choices we make? Because sometimes it can be really tempting. Okay, that's a good question. Um, there is something called the peace of God about the decision. You make a decision and you know that you have peace within your spirit that this is the right decision, even though it's tough. And most of the time, 99% of the time, the choice you make that is God's choice is difficult because it's hard and difficult. Are you with me? It, the convenient one is easy without stress, but the choice is hard and difficult. If you read the Bible, say anything, anytime God made any, anybody chose God or chose to go and do what God wanted them to do, it was hard and difficult. They had to go through the cross. They had to go through some some sacrifices and difficulty. But you see, what the assurance, this blessed assurance that you know that this is the right thing because if you have prayed about it, the spirit within you lines up with the spirit of God that even though it's difficult, this is the right thing. You have that peace of God and also seek counsel. All right? Convenient things are easy, but they'll easily destroy you. Amen. Uh, Reverend, your submission, when you were speaking about uh, <laughs> Go on, go on. Don't mind them. Don't mind them. You know, in your submission, when you were talking about making reference to God's will and the will of man, you did mention about... Uh, Seven, like trying to sort of speak, speak to people to try and convince them to into serving God. That would it, it, you don't have to force it on them, and it has to be something that they have to. They must be willing to do out of uh, their self willingness, and not become sort of forced into doing serving God. And uh, as Christians and as children of God, one of our major focus or aim is to be able to get have people not into church only, but get them committed into one activity or another thing in the house of God. So if we are not to sort of force them into doing it, and it has to be come from their sort of their point of understanding and knowing the reason why they have to serve God. Yeah. How then do you just sort of deal with that as, as children of God and as servants or workers in the house of God? Because we don't want to force them into serving God, but that's the ultimate aim, to get them committed to the things of God. So would you leave them to make their own, their own choice? Or uh, I, I don't think, I understand your question, 
but it's like I, I don't think that anybody here has been forced to do anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't force, but we encourage you to. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a difference between forcing somebody and encouraging them. I used to. What I was talking about was not just was not really that. It was like when you feel manipulated into doing things. That's different from when you're encouraged. Anything that makes you, you have to, you know, connect and disconnect and try and you know manipulate and try and lie away and try. It's not God. It's man. Rev, there are some words people say to you and depending on who they are, you can stand right in front of them and counter. Like, I cancel this in Jesus' name. Yeah. Or back to sender. If you have something like your mother or father tell you or make a negative comment, how do you deal with that? Knowing very well that you can say that in front of them. You can say it to yourself. Okay. And say it to yourself without shouting at them. Because in their ignorance, in their ignorance, they may have said something. Do you understand? You don't have to accept it. Do you get it? You don't have to shout back at them. But you reject it. Okay, so we're happy. Sassy, you have a question? was asking about um, with regards to um, I think in the sense of maybe children when you said if you have to tell a child you're going to buy them something before they come to the church and I think when when they are a bit younger sometimes they would I mean most of the time they have to go with their parents but once they get to the teenage years where especially maybe after they've gone to uni or they've been in boarding school for a while and they come back home it's a bit more difficult. The same child that was willingly going is now has their own. So how do you sort of, I mean, there, there are ways, maybe like negotiations. Well, if, I think I remember once when, um, I think my dad had told, so obviously many, a lot of, um, my brother and I, we lived here, not before my other brother came, so the one after me. And so I think he's, he's like very into football. So there was a time my dad had come to England and um, it was a Sunday and he was like, uh, um, oh yeah, let's go to church. And there's an outhouse at um, our house. So that was his own like boys quarters. That was where his own, you know, cave, man cave. Man cave. Yeah. So um, it was time to go to church and I was oh yeah. So me and dad were in the main, main house. Oh yeah, now get your brother, where is he? Oh, I think he's going for football or something. And then he calls. And, oh, where are you? Ah, yeah, I'm in the <laughs> in the field or something. And then he's like, Oh, no, no, no you have to come and let's go to church. We have to be at church. Oh, but I'm in the field. <laughs> so you know, like, and then he's like, Okay, well, if I can come, because I think the day before he had a match and Dad had come, so I think he was sort of negotiating that. Well, if I can come to that, then you have to come, come. to this. So it's sort of like a negotiation. But how do you? It's not every time that you get that window to sort of you know, use that kind of opportunity. So how do you use it for other kids and just in general? I, I think, I think the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go and when they grow, they will not depart. When you train the child to love God, they genuinely, at a certain age, you can't decide for them. 
they decide for themselves. But hopefully, the training and the prayers you have prayed over them will guard them. You know, you can negotiate and negotiate and negotiate. But when they are not into it, they are not into it. When you are gone, they revert. You understand? When you are not there. You see, when the child doesn't feel like going to church when you are not around, it means church is not in them. They are doing it just to please you. You know, I will pray that hopefully I've put enough in them that even when I'm not there, they will do it. And you pray for them and you, sh- you show them the love of God and everything and then pray for them. Because it doesn't matter how stern you are as a parent. At a point, they have to make their own decision. And you can't superimpose your decision over them. 